0: This is Coffee with Closers, a show about real estate agents by real estate agents. We'll highlight local real estate agents to share their successes, celebrate their failures, and learn who they are outside of real estate.
1: So, you all think you're here for coffee with closers. <laughs> you're actually here for Mountain Dew with Eric Forney. And I didn't realize you drink diet. I just saw you pouring diet into oh. your cup. You drink diet. You know what? So I do a, drink diet. We're at Mountain Dew with Eric Forney and really I came good. with treats for Evan, dude, I'm sorry I didn't know you're gonna be here. I didn't, I didn't bring you a cookie or Mountain Dew. I got nothing. Oh my oh gosh. gosh, I
2: feel like I just went to like my grandma's house and she gave us so many goodies.
1: So we're changing it up a little bit. Mountain Dew with Eric Forney. Eric, thank you for joining us today.
2: <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you I'm on a- our podcast.
1: I'm Chris Shh. Castetter and this is my co-host
2: Lauren Hager,
1: Kelly, and
2: I- Kelly, and who? what is yeah, it i think name? it's ryan and kelly now ryan and kelly yeah i think the last guy got fired <laughs> sounds about right that,
0: <laughs> that, we was fired that, Eric. that was michael South no Christ.
1: there you go that i'm interested in learning more about all right i'm going to take control of this right now because i've traveled with eric and lauren and i think we could end up anywhere in the state of indiana <laughs> so unless true. i take this bull orange so right now so we are here to learn a little bit about eric forney I'm the scared. elusive eric forney who Blew into Hendricks County about a year and a half ago and oh, took over a Keller Williams <laughs> franchise. And there's a lot of questions surrounding Eric Forney and who he is and yeah. people want to know a little bit about you. So that's why we are here today. So, Eric, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks. Sir. I agree to do this. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, No, like, We
2: actually, guys, we literally tricked him into doing this. I,
1: I thought like you yeah. were supposed to tell him.
2: Nope. Why would I tell him that? He wouldn't show up. You guys
1: share I feel the same like bit.
2: We <gasps> We're not married. <laughs> Can you get her she <laughs> Right there. Perfect.
1: Okay, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Laura, I'm gonna let you start with Eric. I'm oh, let I'm you, so excited. I'm gonna, for let this. You, I'm gonna let you ask the first question and kind of lead us in.
2: So um, Eric, <clears throat> everyone is so curious who you are. Who would you say that you are?
0: a normal dude yeah i don't know what that means but i feel like a normal guy that's probably
2: what is, what is normal <clears throat> to you because that's a pretty broad term
0: yeah um i'm pretty boring as Agreed. you can attest to that. For sure. um I, I think i'm pretty simple as far as it doesn't um take a whole i don't i don't want a whole lot, I guess. I'm there not, is like, nothing
1: simple about your custom <laughs> right. made blazer with 12 different materials from three continents, dude. Like, you're not simple. <laughs> I'm
0: um, someone who's obsessed. Uh, that's probably one of my superpowers, so to speak, is I'm obsessively focused about um Anything and everything that I choose to be focused on is usually a little, little over the top. So I'm someone who's really focused on learning and growing. And um, that's actually how real estate started was I got um, got accidentally into real estate and then had one closing.
1: And I was like, "Wait oh, a this minute, is wait awesome. I'm going to interrupt you. How yeah. do you accidentally get into real estate?
0: Well, I got licensed because I because I, what I wanted to do was never sell paint ever again. And so, because I was working at Sherwin Williams at the time, I got my real estate license because I didn't want to sell paint anymore. And uh, so, I got licensed because some of my contractors were were flipping houses and making good money and and I thought, well, I could just go do that. And so I was just naively arrogant enough to think that I could just go flip houses. And so I got licensed so that I would not have to work with real estate agents. And then I got a closing (laughs) accidentally. I mean kind of I mean I, I had no intention of working the retail side of the business made a Facebook post. One of my buddies hit me up about it on Facebook. It was just a before and after pictures of a flip. And and so then I had one closing and it was like game over. I just like blacked out and woke up obsessed with learning real estate and that's how I got here was that obsession piece of learning and growing.
2: And when you say here, what is here? Oh God. What'd you do last
0: year? Oh volume? man, um, yeah. So on the sales side, you know, I've t- my business it looks different. It had basically December thirty first than it did January one of nineteen. Um, as it as a company, the team did uh, just a little under sixty million last year. Uh, two hundred and eighty two closings, and um, I transitioned then to the west side here. And still simultaneously running the team, Um, the office here, um, you know, we, we, I really learned a lot. So I I don't feel like I made a huge impact or, or changed too much, at least not that, that I wanted to, at least right away. Um, So I guess. We did property management last year. Started the uh, obviously took over the the Keller Williams franchise, ran a real estate uh, team, and looking to do mortgage and title as well. So, um, I guess here is everywhere.
1: So, you also coach.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. You also Uh speak, you travel and
1: speak. I think that's the yeah. same thing. So yeah. I, I want to rewind a little bit. You, I want to know a little bit more about your old life selling oh paint and who, okay. who you were then. Like, let's talk okay. about the then and then kind of catch back yes, up to now. let's
2: please talk about the then.
0: Okay, things. so... <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of what would be exciting there. So I started at Sherwin Williams because I worked I, when I was a kid. I started in radio and TV when I was like 11. Um, not with, not because I was like any good at this, but I started because what I would used to do is sit on the floor and watch basketball games. And I was it was more interested or equally as interested in the announcers as I was the players and the game itself. Hmm. And so I always said that I wanted to be, be a basketball play by play guy. And so I did, a I did a like mentorship program and kind of progressed starting at the age of 11 through, uh, the time I got out of the business, which was a couple of years after college. So I quit, uh, working for the TV, the TV station that I worked for in Tucson, Arizona, um, wanted to move back to Indianapolis and thought, Hey, um, if I could talk to people on TV or on the radio, I could probably sell them something. They sent out a talk. And so, um, that was this, the one skill set that I thought I would use. So Sherwin Williams was the first place that hired me. I knew nothing about paint, had never picked up a paintbrush and had never done any actual manual labor. I feel like, and then still, I, haven't by still out. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And then, uh, and I just got again, obsessed with learning. And so, I, I just got my ass kicked the first year I ran a paint store. Uh, I was last place out of, I think, 44 in the district at the time. Um, we, were, we were last. And, and then eventually, by about month 10 or 11, I started to figure out how the game was played. So, the, the following year then was uh, the number one t- um, office or the number one um, paint store in, in the company at the time. And um, just got really focused about how to understand business, how to understand sales. I mean, even paint construction in general. So I think losing forced me to have to understand how to learn and grow and then no longer be a loser.
2: Can we give everyone a visual of, like, that old Eric Fournier? Because he looks very different uh, <laughs> today.
0: Does <laughs> he? <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> a big meathead. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. how I describe <clears throat> it.
0: Like, yeah. what? Like, mullet. No mullet oh, but, uh, <laughs> no, At least no photos of a mullet Let's put it that way I think the most I weighed was I do remember At one point in time I weighed like 240, 244 Something like that Seriously Yeah I, I mean I used to probably Like a consistent weight It was like 220, 225 um yeah, so I was a giant meathead and um and then I had no idea. Yeah. I think that the meathead fate I think the like consistent meathead stopped at about like thirty. Therapy played a big role in that probably too, but like the the like exercise, workout, like nonstop meathead movement was probably about 30. Were you did you eat all the time, is that it? Yeah, I did. You did. Well, I did. Like, but I would cook. I don't know, gosh. I hardly remember. It was I mean like, you know, total meathead food. Chicken, broccoli, rice, bodybuilder stuff.
1: So, so you
2: were were you 230?
0: Right. Fat
1: or were you 230
0: no, muscle I mean, bulky? I mean, I was I worked out a lot. Oh, I thought you meant fat.
1: Like oh. you're like fat kid. <laughs> oh okay, gosh. okay. No. He
2: couldn't get back. That That's what I was trying like to Okay.
1: So two thirty at your max, what are you yeah. what are you today? Uh oddly enough. No
0: one, no one would ever guess it. I'm actually about one eighty five i would be most people, Okay. <laughs> most people kidding. think I'm a lot, lot th- like a lot lighter than I am for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. yesterday, someone was like, You're looking really lean. And I'm like, Awesome. That's not a compliment for Everyone me. I know
1: it's those custom made blazers. They're thinning on a person. They <laughs> are. Shout out to Corey. They are. Right. No, it's uh, Caleb. Um, oh, so, <laughs> so. Corey's
2: doing the house. Cut that. Yeah. Cut
1: that, please. Cut
2: edit Wait, that. Wait, hold
1: on. Shout out to Caleb. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I've thought <laughs> about, you just mentioned. 60 million in volume um 200 plus transactions, that sounds like a very, very different lifestyle than somebody running a Sherwin-Williams store yeah. and, and no, no criticism yeah, to that. Um, but like from a lifestyle po- financial perspective, that's what I'm real mm-hmm. curious about. I, it, like in my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never said this to you or anyone else, but I kind of think about like a rags to riches story. Yeah. So what what was your lifestyle like and your like, tell us a little bit about that because it In the real estate world, I think that, you know, we you know, gosh, there's years I, I go from rags to riches. I have some very lean years. I have some very rich years um, with, you know, just inconsistencies of my own. And that's a whole other story. But anyway, I just, I think for the real estate community and people that wonder about yeah. you and you've got a really neat story that I think people want to know about. So I'm just curious what, yeah, what you'll share about that. So
0: six, so six years ago, I think my income was 39,000 when I was at the paint store, when I was asked to no longer be an employee of the company. And, um, and so, you know, the one thing though that I've always done is I've always, I think, kind of been an entrepreneur, or at least like always had a side hustle. So even even when I was um, working at the paint store, uh, I was attempting to f- to flip a house, and so I would work, you know, whatever that the store opened at seven. So I'd work 7 a.m. to three, 4 p.m. and then go work on the house to, to get it ready, uh, to flip. And so I would work probably 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. a lot of days. And, um, but, but nonetheless, I mean, I had, I had, I don't know, probably I know for sure. 39,000 was the, was my income when I was no longer an employee there. Um, but I don't think I ever noticed any different. I remember, I remember getting a bonus and paying off my my Chrysler 300 because I remember the very first marketing that I ever did for real estate cost me the exact same amount of money each month that I was spending on my car and just being scared to death to essentially take on another car payment. And then I remember increasing that six months later to about a thousand, eleven hundred or so a month. And that was what my mortgage payment was. And so then of course I was like really scared to death, but apparently, didn't think about it
1: enough to say no. But you're talking about the, these were your monthly real estate expenses, yeah, what you correct. were investing well, in. I your- actually
0: started in, like the the first, first advertising I did, the first advertising I did was marketing postcards, like just sold postcards. And then um, the next thing that I did was Zillow and I, I got Leads in Lawrence Township for three hundred and fifty dollars a month, and then upped it to eleven hundred bucks a month. I think, oddly enough, I like looking back. It is pretty stupid though, because I broke even the first six months on three fifty a month, and yet somehow thought it would be a good idea to triple it six months later, having only ever broken even on three fifty. So I could have been in a pretty bad spot. And I was at one point in time, I was in a bad spot. I mean, I was $72,000 in credit card debt and I had $10 at one point. I mean, the, I feel like I tell the story all the time. Poor Tyler. He's probably heard it a thousand times. But, uh, but, you know, there was a point in time where I remember eating groceries from Menards. I had $96 store credit at Menards because I had taken back some building materials and I remember standing in the aisle and analyzing, okay, how, what's the most amount of food that I could get at Menards for $96? And I so bought, you built a plan. Yep. I bought a gallon of milk. <laughs> of course I did. There's always a plan so to build. I bought a gallon of milk, <laughs> cereal, and dried Cookies. soup. <laughs> that, that I would totally do that too if they had them. Uh, so I thought I could get the most meals out of like these like freeze-dried soup things. And then, um, and then cereal and milk. So that's what I bought for
1: $96. So, cause I had 10 bucks dude it's funny to me you just said a few minutes ago you know I just really don't feel much of a difference when I was making 39,000 to now and so okay
2: let's be honest like
1: that's crazy that's pretty (laughs) crazy but I love it it's it's a great story yes Lauren
2: yeah no I was just gonna say like our dinner consists of easy mac peanut butter and jelly and chicken salad that he cuts up with scissors (laughs) and dip sweet thins it like every single night I'm not that is so true so it's not as though
0: I I don't I really don't I don't truthfully anymore I think there was a phase that I did though. Honestly, Chris, I think that when I started in real estate, I, I did, I know for sure that I set out to prove something. And then now I no longer set out to prove anything. I'm, I'm, I'm at this spot where, where I'm content with what I've done in the sense, not that I'm, that I'm satisfied or that I'm, that I'm, that I'm not, fully all in on growth, but I'm content in that. I feel, I feel like I validated whatever it was that I was attempting to oh, accomplish. Nice. Yeah. Because, what I would do is, you know, when I started, I looked, I originally, I would look at the top 100 agents in the market. Um, back when like F- matrix first came out for my uh, I would look at the ranking report and I can always remember thinking there was no way that I was going to be in that top 100. And there'd be some names that I'd like recognize and, um, and thinking, wow, that's really awesome. I wonder <laughs> how many years it would take to get there. And I had, I had had lunch with Drew Schrader and I think he was somewhere in the top 50 at that point. And I can remember him telling me roughly what his income was, and just like not thinking that was remotely possible. And um, and so I would look at that list day after day, I, literally every single day I would look at it. In fact, I don't know that I I don't know that I've shared this, but um, that real producer magazine that Remington put out. Right. To, right. Um, I can remember printing every single one of them, the cover of them, and and hanging it up in the in my office pissed, like, super pissed, um, that that I wasn't on that cover or wasn't included as one of the rising stars. I mean, I even remember at one point outselling every rising star that year combined and still not making that rising star. So I used that as like bulletin board material for the me against me mentality um, in order to really drive that focus for growth. And, um, and so I feel like that probably stemmed from needing to prove myself or prove my ability to get there. I hate to say this, but like at this point, I don't even look at numbers for the team. I don't know where we are. I think someone said that if we had actually reported our accurate numbers in into my board last year, that we would have been fifth or sixth. Um, But to tell you how little we cared, we didn't report even. We didn't report almost six million dollars worth of business in the board. Really. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that because this just not who this is not how I used to be. And I guess the good news is that I don't have some gap that's missing that needs to feel that. It's just not important to me anymore. Right, right. I mean, in fact, I was I mean, I told you I was I was talking to an agent last night and I felt honestly I felt sorry in a sense for her because she was seeking validation through her production. And my thought was like there you'll you'll never find that validation if if that's where you find your value because there's no such thing as enough <clears> production <throat> cuz you can always just run the production race and someone's way out in front to never feel validated enough right. so i don't know what the i think the change probably was the mindset of it being about me to then it being about we
1: that's probably right. the biggest change right well there's two things it, it sounds like that through this evolution you move from e to p would you say for sure for so sure for the non-killer folks yeah. that's from entrepreneurial to purposeful um share a little bit about that i i just really i, I yeah. kind of want for, like I said, for the non-killer folks to understand what that is.
0: Yeah, so I was a shit show. Um, probably, you could probably argue still am. Um, and that's because yes. of focus, truthfully. Because um, one of the things that I, as an individual agent would, would do is anything that generated revenue and then nothing else. And so the business uh, at one point in time, it was probably 2000 and it was probably early, uh, midway through 2016. I don't think I've shared this, I've shared it publicly, but I guess we'll put it out uh, widespread in this case. But um, in the midway through 2016, I was so focused on generating revenue that I wouldn't slow down to do anything else to where I had $192,000 in uncashed checks in the top left drawer of my desk (laughs) because I wouldn't go to the bank to set up a business banking account. And so I would just stack my checks because that was... Yesterday's activity, that wasn't where, where I was going and what I was focused on. That was not revenue generating. And so, um, if it did, if it didn't generate revenue, I didn't do it. And then now that's not necessarily the case. Actually, everything that I do now is hardly at all what I was doing three years ago. And that was the, that was the turn is in order to grow a business and in order to, um, in order to scale, it had to be way less about me and and all about everyone else. And and the change was that I was – we got so much hate, or I shouldn't say we, more so than anything me, and still do, but, but it's a lot less than it used to be. So I used to get a ton of hate from um, – agents A like in the office at the time and then B agents within the board of realtors. So there was a point in time where I think we were getting a complaint probably three to four days a week, every week for probably the six months, at least the first five months of the year. You must've been really nice. Oh yeah. It was, and my opinion wasn't even that. It was just that we were disruptive of how real estate works. I mean, we still get a little bit of backlash on, I mean, I just heard it yesterday a couple of times, uh, and like my phone number is not in the board of realtors, for instance, and some agents will complain that I'm impossible to get a hold of for that reason. And His that's number three one seven five. So we should, honestly like we got a lot of complaints about that, you know. We would list houses the same day every week, and only allow showings a certain time frame. And you
1: know, we were doing some disruptive things at the time. Well, and so how we got, dare hey, you it. come into Indiana traditional mindset? I know that was a problem. Yeah. Trends come last into the real yeah. estate market. Yeah, so yeah I, we, I love that. You I love were that. were
2: studying California market.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I say, yeah.
2: The California. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but and, no, and then you just mm-hmm. use that here in Indiana Right. right. And- but It was really hard for people to grasp the concept. Yeah, of
0: that. yeah, because at the time, San Francisco and and Denver were both experiencing uh, a market that we were not. That's probably similar to like where we are right now, and and so because of that, like obsessive growth learning mindset, I was listening to a lot of content from people in other marketplaces, and then learning how they were adapting from a from a tactical standpoint, and then just using that probably 2 to 3 years ahead of the marketplace and then that was really unpopular and that unpopularity is actually what forced the change i think it was because i was i would i would learn something implement it and then share the results with people openly and i would still get hate and that was confusing to me because I thought, well, here I am trying to actually like tell you how to improve your business or your results, and I'm still getting backlash for it. And so th- that eventually took a toll on me. And then I and then went on this like rebranding and rethinking campaign that has been the last probably two two and a half years. And Tyler's played a big role in that. And in the sense of like part of that, a big chunk of that rebranding has really come as a byproduct of getting backlash from internally from the industry. Because I had to, I really had forced me to have to think differently because I looked at myself as someone who was trying to give to the agent population. And yet all I was getting was complaints about me as a person. And so that forced me to then go, okay, well then maybe you just need to change as a person. And so that concept was, is it me or is it them? Well, whenever, when you get enough people that tell you that it's you, then that means that you probably need to decide to reexamine you. And that's what, that's what I've done. Interesting, Interesting. Well, and the
2: only outcome that you can really control is yourself too. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yep. That's right.
2: Yeah, no, I think you're perfect now.
1: It's <laughs> <Jean laughs> hard for people, yeah. especially real estate people, and like us yeah. old timers that are used to doing things the same way, yeah. the same oh, way, and sure. this has worked for us before. So, why, you know, like it, it? It's kind of been a bitter pill for me to swallow. I'm ten years older than Eric, and you're teaching me new things that you know. I hang up the phone and I think, why, why didn't I know this? Why didn't Why didn't I discover this? Why didn't I invent this? Like, it, like <laughs> this guy's smarter than me. He's teaching me more things than. I know, um, so it's, you know. I think to a lot of people, it's it's intimidating. Like you said, it's disruptive. Yeah. Change is hard, whether it's good or bad. It it just is for a lot of people. So I'm I'm fascinated by this story. Now, it, you talked about. Um, sharing your mm-hmm. knowledge, things that, you know, things that you've learned, you share, you pass on. And I love that. Um, I heard you say something recently in a video that I was watching and, and I'm not going to get the quote right, but I, I loved it. It said something like, if we're only making you oh, a yeah. better real estate agent, then we are not doing our job. And so I love that. And I'm dying to kind of unpack that a little bit or have you unpack it. Yeah. So I, I look at our,
0: I look at, um, at why I'm in business and and it's cool. Chris Phillips, who um, works with me and has really been instrumental in that move of um, going from entrepreneurial to to purposeful, um, Chris at one point sat down with me and said, okay, Eric, why are we doing all this? And, and the visual that we were looking at was I had, I, I one day just had this like random idea that I was going to like mind map out what I thought the business would look like. And I said, it was like, it's this 2020 business plan five years ago, but it was just like a bubble of random ideas. And, um, and so Chris was like, well, why are we doing this? What is this all about? Cause he goes, cause I know it's not about money. Because he goes, I know that money is not the reason why you get out of bed and, and you're you're driven to take action. Not that we're, of course, not interested in being profitable because we are. However, it's not the driver. And I said, it's impact. It's literally impact. I think we're in a spot where we have the ability to impact people's lives in a really big way, the same way that my life has been impacted. And the way that my life was impacted was by people being willing to share. What they've done to be effective and what, what their growth journey looked like um, in order to help them get there. And I wanted to pay it forward. And so the biggest mission of the company is at this point in time is that we create widespread impact and we do that by changing the way people think and we do it by changing the way people show up and who they are and how they're forced to grow. And we do it through, you know, being vulnerable and being transparent and being uncomfortable and if that doesn't sound like fun, then it's probably the wrong organization. And that's okay. And, and the reality is is no one signs up to say that they want to be uncomfortable myself included. Right. Right. And yet what I mean by uncomfortable is, I mean, is so at our, at our business planning advance, a a couple of weeks, well, a couple of months ago now, uh, you know, I share that three people cried. One, one person announced that they were pregnant and one person announced that Their, you know, sexual preference. Um, We we just have this environment where like being different is being normal, and it's the perfect environment to share in a, in a vulnerable yet totally safe place. And that sounds very millennial hippie. I get it. And somehow it works really, really well because all of our focus is, um, we don't, we don't necessarily share wins. What we do share is, is how did you move your life forward last week? So every Monday morning we have a meeting and, um, we talk about the concept of like incremental gains. You know, if you got 1% better every single day, that compounding effect would make you 365, X better than you were the day you started on January 1st. And so what incremental wins did you take to move your life forward or to grow your life? And then how do we celebrate that and hold each other accountable? And that that gets... Um, awkward a little bit, I think, for some people to like fully buy in and embrace until they realize that this is like a judgment-free zone. So I know we talked about this past week, like I know Bree worked out two days last week. I know Zeke wants to be in bed at 1030. Um, I know how Leah wants to show up and and like what her identity is about. And we just share that stuff openly and honestly, because truthfully, selling real estate is easy once you figure out the equation. And everything else is what gets in the way, and it's everything else that we're focused on
1: growing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey. So I, I love that. It's not necessarily about money; it's about impact yeah. and making an impact.
0: And it's crazy because once you do that, then the money follows. Right.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, For you can't sure. Keep it away.
0: No, you can't. It, it's like I, I heard somebody tell me that. Like uh, I don't remember how long ago it was, but someone said to me that. The, <laughs> Quote: I've figured out the equation to making money, but I haven't figured out the equation to being a better husband and a better father. And so, until I can figure out the better husband, better father, um, I'm going to be all in on how to how to figure that equation out because the money equation is the same. And um, and at first, I didn't know if I fully understood that, and I'm not sure if I fully do now. However, uh, if I extrapolate that to real estate, is is the reality is is. Selling real estate is simple, truthfully. We complicate it with our excuses and our reasons. And everything else is what's a challenge and everything else is what's uncomfortable. And so once we work on thinking, then we can reprogram our thinking, reprogram our actions, reprogram our results. And it's just a constant cycle of changing the way we think, changing the way we act, changing our results, and then rinse and repeat.
1: And, and you know, you use the word constant and we change. And for me, sometimes that's just kind of exhilarating. Like, yeah, I, it's that's like true when too. I lay in bed at night and I think about how can I catch up? How can not catch up and yeah, how can no, I, I keep it. up with yeah. Eric Ford? I, I can't. I just yeah. can't. So, I'm going <laughs> to well, do the best I can. And, part of your problem and is you're laying in bed. And right? I'm not laying in bed, well, probably. Yeah. I need my-
2: He yeah. is up with a sweatshirt on and his hood off. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I need my eight hours and Eric gets by with three. Uh, three, three or four, or something <laughs> something like that. So, Eric, what was your biggest regret of 2019? Playing
0: soft real. Okay. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> yeah. I played conservatively. Um, and I think that the, the biggest issue you didn't is even have to like, think about that. No, That's so no, it's, been, ha- it's been haunting me truthfully. Yeah. Um, it, it's been, it's been haunting me because, um, I'm really <laughs> trying to understand. I'm really trying to understand why. And, and part of the why is because when we started early in the year, last year, we had uh, a couple of, um, key people on the team quit and that really bothered me and, um, emotional like that got to me, and so I You're think going at the forty group, your yeah, real estate yeah. team, okay. And so, because of that emotion of people that I cared about leaving the company, um, I think caused me to to potentially not be willing to go take more chances to get into relationship with more people. For potentially the fear of leaving now, like that's the first time I have articulated that. However, I think that that plays a role in it. Um, so, so having key people that I care about, um, no longer be a part of the company was one reason why we played it safe. The other is that at here at Keller Williams at this specific office, I don't know that I understood the landscape well enough and I wasn't willing to disrupt a landscape that I didn't understand. I use the analogy that running a team is easy because you um, you really know how each piece and each part plays with each other because it's really a small organization where you have a lot more control. Like you're almost kind of like a puppeteer at the team level uh, when you're following the model, at least. I know there are a lot of like teams that don't remotely operate that way. However, our team is kind of like a puppeteer and the market center is like a giant game, game of glass Jenga. You're not really sure like once you push some of the blocks out when it's going to crash and fall down. At least that was my fear because it's, it's 100 independent business owners operating independent of you and you don't have relationships with them i have relationships with everyone on the team and relationships are glue and yet when you don't have 100 relationships at the brokerage level you're not sure when you make a business change that needs to be made whether it will cause the jenga game to fall over and so for that reason actually the fear of success was what kept me from toppling over that jenga game and that is my life is really comfortable right now And why topple this game over just to make life uncomfortable? that was my mindset is if I pull out these blocks and it all falls over, God, I'm going to have to do a lot more work that I don't want to do necessarily because life is good. Why disrupt that? (laughs) And yet, interestingly enough, then I have this realization that goes, then dude, you're a fraud. Like if everything you stand for is being uncomfortable and disruptive and you push people to change the way they think, if you're not going to go out there and do the exact same thing, you're nothing more than, you know, just a salesperson who doesn't believe in their own product and so I've taken a massively different approach to what the marketplace looks like now and then what needs to be done in order to accomplish the change that we need to see in that marketplace awesome. disruption awesome. and that means that I can no longer care about whether the glass game of Jenga falls over. Not that I'm willing to go out and make bad business decisions, however there are casualties in war and unfortunately that, that doesn't mean that you um, that I still can't get up tomorrow and go to war. Right. It just means it's there may be a casualty or
1: two. Right. Yeah. And there's a difference between bad decisions and yeah. bold decisions. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe 2019, you might have lacked some boldness. Oh, would you say? absolutely. Or my I sure. out of line? Yeah, for
0: okay. sure. No, 100%. <laughs> well, and
2: 100%. And I think that shows up in the results. And I'm like, hey, I love you and I'm like the biggest critic and vice versa. Yeah, of but course. Like, When you look at the numbers, like, yes, the team did amazing. Yeah,
0: they grew. Congratulations,
2: everybody, because individually, every single person.
0: Crushed it. Yep.
2: But as a whole, if you look at the production versus the year before that, Mm -hmm. it was almost stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you turn that in 2020- Hit eighty,
0: yeah, or a
2: hundred, or or whatever that goal looks like. And same with the market.
0: <clears throat> What's cool is yesterday when I was doing a presentation with the team, and one of the things they said was, "Is you pretty?" They go, "You pretty much have us trained," because they repeated almost exactly what I was getting ready to say. Hmm. And it was like three or four of them, and just like mirrored each other of this like these mocking birds of Eric Forney And so I think partly it's you know having been there now another year helps a lot. And that. I also say that I failed them and that I didn't take enough chances and focus enough on recruiting to the team. And that, again, is a fear of disrupting that culture. And so so having those people leave and then the cultural disruption that it had internally and not wanting to go through that again um, kept us from hitting the level of growth that we wanted to. And had to work through a lot of the maturation piece of it. That's the one thing that I think is important to note though, is that, you know, we look at, um, we look at a lot of businesses. I'm I'll just use like a Ben Kinney or, or, uh, let's just use Ben as an example, given that he's the number one KW agent. If we, if we compare the Forney group to the, the Ben Kinney company, it's, it's really not a fair comparison and and I'm not giving myself an out. What I'm saying is that Ben has more compounded time on task than what the Forney Group does. And most other agents – shouldn't compare themselves to what my business looks like because they haven't compounded that time on task either, regardless of the time that you've been in the business. Unless you know what you don't know, you're you're not compounding the, um, efficiencies of the business that stack wins on top of themselves. So, so right now my, my job is so much different as a team owner than it was 12 months ago. And especially 24 and 36 months ago, I, I kind of play the role of grandpa now, truthfully, like I play Papaw, um, I'm there on Monday. My job is to teach coach, and and cast vision. And that's all I have time for almost. So I made 14 coaching calls on Friday. And those are one-on-ones with our agents, either internally or within Keller Williams. And that's a huge part of the job that I wasn't able to do 12 months ago or 24 months ago because I was still selling real estate in large volume. So now I'm able to take my time and spend it towards all in on personal development and personal growth so that I can force it into everyone else and then the results can multiply. Awesome. So leadership is about this this idea of multiplication, really, mm-hmm. so like I have to be the, I have to level up my conversations and the people around me and the results and what I what I intake so that I can inject it into everyone else in close proximity so that they can multiply their own results and that domino effect.
2: Yeah, and if if you haven't read the book on um, the multipliers,
1: yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's yeah. really good. It's good. Yeah, I yeah, definitely should read it. You know, as you're talking about this and sharing it, makes me think about you stacking your bench. And we, yeah. is that the proper term yeah, terminology? Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it seems like you're always on a talent hunt. You're always yeah. trying to engage with talent, keep your bench stacked, and um, you know, as you talk about these things, it seems like you know when you need a who person, you've mm-hmm. got. Somebody seems like I do, and you, you can reach thing, out to. Yeah, one of
0: the things that I've done is I I do keep a, a list of you know prospects of people that I'd be interested in being in business with, and then where I think they would fit. What I started doing initially was um, I went through my Facebook list and just did okay, write down every name that is someone who I'd be willing to to go to work with every day. And then are they on the operations side or would they be better on the sales side? And then I just basically put them on one side or the other and then made a list of those names and then figured out what I needed to do to at least have the conversation about if it even made sense. To go any further than the initial conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I have kind of continued that same trend and then refined it a little further uh, as far as like what position on the court would that person play gotcha. if we had an opening on the court? Gotcha. I need to do a better job of that, though. That's the biggest thing that I have to do better is I have to level up our talent in 2020 in order to accomplish our
1: results. Well, so, just, we're going to be more disruptive, truthfully, with our talent. Yeah. Just the fact that you identify that, you're cognizant of it, you're making a list, You're, I'd say you're 99% ahead of the, <laughs> you know, the competition. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's tough, too, because um, for me, I, I kind of joke that I... I am slow to fire. Everyone will tell you that's the case. Uh, I'm slow uh, to hire and I'm slow to fire. <laughs>
2: single,
0: are you? <laughs> I'm slow really to hire strict. and I'm that slow weezer. to fire. And, um, <laughs> like and
2: personal life and business. Yeah, that
0: is so true. <laughs> so true. And so part of that being slow to a slow to fire thing is that I joke that at some point in time, I've wanted to fire every single person in uh, one of my companies. Including
2: except Christian. Yeah. Gaster, except well,
0: Chris oh. <laughs> that's right of course of course starting with
2: <laughs> so
0: so because i've because i joked that i that i've been willing or would want to fire anyone at any given day that makes me a little slower to actually do so because i think about the fact that i hired someone because i saw a trait in them for a reason which means what is my DNA on why that trait's not showing up over and over and over? Either I was bad at interviewing and bad at (laughs) filtering that out to start with, or I'm bad at extracting that
1: character trait that I saw that I thought would be a good fit for the role. Well, dude, could it sometimes just be not the right time? Like, could it just sure, not have no, to do with you? Sure, like, I, sure. I, I feel like you're a little yeah. bit critical of yourself when it comes to things like that. And sometimes yeah. it's just not the right time.
0: I am. I'm I'm. I'm definitely critical. That's part of that, that personal growth role, though, too, is, is that reflecting on the fact that it's like always what – what is my role in this? How how did I impact this outcome positively or negatively? Almost knowing that uh, very rarely am I ever going to say that I impacted it positively. And and the reason that you know, I joke that leadership really is the most lonely and selfless job because you never take credit for the wins and you always take blame for the losses. And that's when you know you're doing it right is it's always your fault when you lose and, <laughs> and it's never yours for winning instead. <laughs> So, um,
2: can you adopt that like in our relationship too I'm just kidding. That? <laughs>
0: I'm just kidding. yeah that is the truth you know what's funny though is, is that's actually probably true too though like honestly I mean if you look at and I tell you a lot is there are times that I'm a total diminisher from a relationship standpoint because it is so hard for me to turn off the business personal button and it it, uh, it doesn't just like start and stop when I walk in the door. And I know that there are plenty of other entrepreneurs who are the exact same way. Um, I just... Probably
1: struggle more with it than I want to. There's nothing easy about it. I think one of the most yeah. difficult things is being in business with your significant other. Yeah. I, I think anybody that has done that would we, would tell you yeah, that. We certainly. I mean, we joked about it. We. I mean, we we
0: underestimated it, or, or we probably oversold ourselves on it. Yeah. Um, and what what doesn't help is we are so different in that. I'm I'm not really a human anymore as it pertains to like what my job is and then what my day-to-day life looks like. And so if I expect what I like, if I project what I expect of myself onto Lauren, it's incredibly unfair to ask her because like I, sl- I, I slept 20 hours last week. And if I ask her to do that, it would be a disaster. Oh, gosh, yeah. And so, so there are times when it's hard for me to understand that everyone else doesn't exist that exact same way. And so, you know, that's honestly probably the biggest gap is knowing that, like, not everyone rolls hard like I do. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And have you always, like… Grade school, high school, three years. No, really? No, not at all. No, um, not remotely. You know, I'll tell this, I'll use this example. So, For fun. Here we go. We'll put this out here too. So I'm deaf in my left ear. Um, and so it makes it incredible. I'm deaf in my left <laughs> ear. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good. So it makes no. it really easy for me to sleep. Oh,
2: that was a bad joke. No. <laughs> yes, it was. Sorry, That's why you I'm didn't slow. get it. Yep.
0: <laughs> so it makes it really easy for me to sleep. You just roll over on the other side uh, and you tune the world out.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, so my mom would always joke that I was the worst person to wake up in the morning. I would oversleep every alarm on earth and and like earthquakes and so i used to sleep all the time and it was a disaster to wake up and up until probably two years ago was the exact same way um i mean i would I would start working real estate nine or ten in the morning because I'd be just getting up, and um, and it wasn't until I made a change in my thinking that made a change in my actions and my results. And so the change in my thinking has been now. Uh, Lauren mentioned I get up at four forty in the morning now, four forty one, and um, and. I don't know the last time that I hit the snooze button on the alarm and I used to set five alarms. I would even set the timer on the oven. To as like the last ditch effort to wake up and go across into the kitchen and turn off the timer on the oven because I would oversleep everything. And so it wasn't until I made a change in my thinking that I started waking up early. And that change in my thinking was, I can't be the leader that this organization needs me to be if I can't even get out of bed without doing my very first thing effectively. And that first thing is waking up and getting out of bed and not hitting the snooze button. And so it wasn't until I came to this story of the fact that I had to wake up in the morning and do the first thing right in order to do the rest of the things that the organization needed for where we were going. And that, that was like a massive change um, for me mentally. And that's what changed a lot of the results piece of it. But I mean, I joke, my dad thought that like, I would end up in jail or something because and have no <laughs> job Dean. and no work ethic because <laughs> I mean he started working when he was 5 and so there was no like <laughs> and I was like the one dude that just like pissed off out of every activity of work humanly possible. Like you've heard the stories my dad jokes that we would go outside and play baseball every day and my brother would almost always bat first and then I would bat. And then I'd hit, and then I would never clean up the baseballs. I'd run inside and make them clean them up. Because <laughs> that's manual labor. Because that was work. That's right. And I would, right? I would stick
2: everyone with the work. Dirty. That's right.
1: Well. I stuck everyone with the work, and now it's the complete 180. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, hey, I know we're running out of time, but there's a couple of questions I want to make sure that we ask in our effort to get to know a little bit more about Eric Fon- Eric Forney. Um, tell us a little bit. Well, tell us a little bit about your vision for Keller Williams Indy Metro West and Avon, the Hendricks County market. You bought this franchise what yeah. fifteen months ago. Something like yeah,
0: that, yeah. Just a little over, probably twelve months ago. I think we and and technically my title hasn't changed still, um, but I think uh, twelve months ago, roughly. Uh, well, maybe a little longer. Whatever. Um, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I saw in it was um, underutilization and and opportunity. And one thing is that I'm driven by is people saying that it can't be done or saying that I can't do it. And that creates that bulletin board mentality of me against me. And um, and probably again, is that identity piece of it is seeking the validation of knowing that it can actually be done and forcing people to think differently about it. And so hearing that Hendricks County was different and hearing that, you know, you don't understand, Eric, things don't just work the same way on the west side that they do on the north side, or they don't just work that way, really pushed me to go, okay, fine hold my beer we got this and so um, that was the biggest driver of it truthfully and and so coming in and changing the way that people think about Keller Williams on the west side and then changing the way that people think about themselves internally in order to cause that multiplying effect externally and and gain market share and um, and obviously change the lives of others and create impact in a marketplace where other people claim it can't be done is the is the biggest um determiner of of like what motivates me is going out in order to impact other people in the marketplace to see that maybe it actually can be done a different way sure sure
2: so the key word i hear in that is change
0: oh for sure yeah for sure
2: which is really cool
0: Yeah. And that's why, that's why I'm, that's why I'm disappointed in myself. If we go back to playing it soft is not making enough of those drastic changes or some of those bold moves that we talked about. And, and therefore we didn't feel enough change. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we still grew our market share last year. We still increased the number of, um, you know, capping agents that we that we have here at the Keller Williams office, however, not to the level that I'm happy with, and and so we have much bigger expectations of where 2020 is and how to accomplish that. And the biggest way to accomplish it is massive action and being disruptive. And so, like if you look right now, on I, I Lauren will tell you I print out um, pretty much the same. General outline of my days every day. And on there now it says be disruptive, take massive action. Because really that's my mantra is this is like. Eff it go fail. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you afraid of? Fail forward. Yeah, yeah. 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 And fail forward's too soft, honestly. Like, because
2: <laughs> like literally go and break things. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: yeah. Break yeah. shit. Go break shit. That really should be that's about what the I said. one thing. This that's year. Be about yeah, because because that's disruption to me. Right? Is we're I think we're at a spot now where um, I know Gary's been talking about it for way too long, and I've been ignoring it. But I think as an industry, we're be, we're at the inflection point of going up or going. Um, down or or seeing the marginalization of income just as a byproduct of the way we're seeing mega tech companies taking market share and money from real estate agents. And if we are going to change that and be disruptive, it means we're going to have to take massive action and be disruptive, which means it first starts locally
1: and then that localization expands out. I I love that there can even be a conversation about this, not only from the top down, starting with Gary Keller coming down to franchise owners. And here we are talking about it in small town Avon, Indiana. I think there's a lot of people in our industry here locally that are scratching their heads, myself included wondering, you know, Gosh, why is my income down? What's happening? Yeah. Why are these changes happening? How are we going to stay relevant? And instead of people like getting to the bottom of that and creating a plan and building a system, yeah. it, there's there's not intelligent conversations about it. So, you know, Linda McKissick talks a lot about fierce conversations, which I I love. I've yet to read the book or take that class. But I, you know, I not only love fierce conversations, I love, and I think you can yeah, agree with this sure. uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And this is, you know, that's that's uncomfortable to talk about how how much change is happening in our industry and our commission dollars continue to be squeezed and so on and so yeah, forth. absolutely. Well,
2: I think as the Midwest, we're kind of the last to adopt everything, which is a blessing and a curse because yeah, sure. the cool thing is that you could look around at the coast yeah. and see what's kind of coming. Um, so, I think that I I would challenge everybody right mm-hmm. now to seriously go and study those other markets. Yeah. And see what's happening there. And I think that it's really going to open your eyes because it's hard to Mm – we can preach it to people, but they're not going to believe it until they actually see it or feel it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the iBuyer model just last month, the latest data came out. And the iBuyer model um, from an AI-influenced – What is AI? Sorry. Yeah, from an artificial intelligence-influenced home value, last month, the average was uh, just – under 1.8% of a deficit between what the home sold for and what the predicted valuation of a home was, it was that there was only a margin of error of 1.8%. Wow. Which which means that we're seeing technology do a portion of what real estate agents used to be heavily relied on, which was pricing. And so agents can no longer rely on the pricing piece of it. but if you don't if you don't wake up and look in other markets, you don't see that. And that's because we have no eye buyers in our,
1: in our marketplace. This is so crazy and I'm sorry, I feel like I keep no. interrupting you, but it. Um, gosh, th- it, this is such a, that's such a valuable piece of information to hear and to know. Yeah. I, I've never heard that. I didn't know that. And I, I'm crazy obsessed to, with listening to uh, every, in the podcast everything yeah everything in life realistic, right. Everything in life in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I'm crazy yeah. obsessed with, obviously. <laughs> you know, and Linda always says, send this podcast to someone you care about. There's somebody in the industry that you care about. This That's one golden nugget of information that, mm-hmm. you know, that that I want to encourage people, my friends, my colleagues within Keller Williams and outside of Keller Williams to share this podcast, share this information, um, get to know a little bit about what's happening at Keller Williams and Avon. What's happening? Who is Eric Forney? What is his vision? And just this little golden nugget of information about the iBuyer model—that is, it's already here in our marketplace—and it's an uncomfortable conversation yeah. for people to have. So I love that. I love just <laughs> the, getting these little nuggets of wisdom here and there. And throughout.
0: the good news too, Chris, is that like you don't, we don't have to be afraid of that. Right. We do right. have to adapt to changed, that. That's changed. right. So it is as,
1: as humans. <clears throat> People are afraid. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: No, I, I think that then you, you look at it and go, the thing that I've always um, prided myself on from a obstinate standpoint almost just to like prove a point because clearly I, we've established <laughs> that that's where I struggle here um, to be defiant. <laughs> um, but it's one of the things that. I prided myself on is that like a need for a listing presentation means that you lack – a skill set. And that skill set means you lack needs analysis and reading um, emotional intelligence. And because people challenge me on that idea, oftentimes I'll, I'll get really um, obstinate about how I try to prove that point. And, and what it means to me is, is this I buyer model of a very narrow margin of error means that as real estate agents, we have to move from being real estate agents to being real estate consultants of wealth. We have to advise people on how to manage their real estate wealth. And that means that, you know, sometimes um you may need to uh, have hard conversations with your buyers and with your sellers in order to get the information that you need to consult them on what their best decision is absolutely
1: Absolutely. And you can't
0: rely on I'm the best marketer and I'm the best at valuation that doesn't work anymore
1: well and and I love that that goes back to what we talked a little bit about earlier if we're only teaching you to be a better real estate yeah. agent then we're failing you, you know Keller Williams is in the business yeah. of improving people's lives teaching how to have a bigger life a better life working smarter I, I love that I absolutely love that
0: yeah I mean I was just talking with an agent yesterday and I'm gonna call him out as one of the top agents really similar from a production standpoint to where we are and one of the things that I said to her was is why don't you um, why don't you talk to me like a business owner and now we were probably having a, a fierce conversation but but we were talking about GCI and we were talking about units and volume and so on and so forth I'm like, why don't we talk like business owners? Why don't you tell me what your revenue was? Tell me what your profit was. Because that's actually how we grade this conversation to stop thinking like real estate agents and start thinking like business owners is we start using business owner language. Like revenue, like profit, yeah. like margins, and 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 a lot of this counting counting conversations to bring awareness to um, actually looking at being effective with how we're spending our time and our resources and and unfortunately that conversation just doesn't happen enough in our business right, and right. and that, what that means though is that it's we, uncomfortable it is uncomfortable yeah, and why. people are financially but people then remain financially uncomfortable and we can't change lives and create impact if we don't create financial literacy amongst real estate agents and that's part of the that's part of what's important to me and part of what's important to Keller Williams is that I don't want real estate agents to sell homes forever unless they want to. But it shouldn't be because they have to. It should be because they want to, uh, because they've also created wealth in the process, because we've taught them how to run, run businesses that are sellable, scalable, and and pay them.
2: Yeah. We were looking at an article last night and it was like, Breaking basically the brokerages down to say, yeah. this is the best brokerage to go if you're this. You're yeah. the best one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I mean by that is I was like, what makes us different? Like, why would we be the best overall? And obviously, Eric and I and Chris believe that or else yeah. we wouldn't be with KW. But when you look at it, when you think about all of the people that we are so blessed to have conversations with, they actually are building a massive brand and they're building multiple businesses to where that yep. pours into their life and yeah. to other people and allows everybody to have big lives. Yeah. And I know that sounds so cliche and cheesy. Right. Yeah. But it's true. But yeah, like right. it is so freaking true. Right. Yeah. And, right. And that's I often tell people if you want to be an agent, we're probably not the right company for you. But yeah. if you want to build a business. Hands down, there's no other place that will take you. And the challenge is the,
0: the challenge. You're right. And sorry, I stepped on your toes. Uh, what?
2: It's okay.
0: It's normal. I challenge, know. am <laughs> no, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> the, the challenge is that not everyone resonates with the concept of being a business owner at when they're in real estate like that. I don't know that that would have been something that I would have been attractive to me when I first started is because I was just looking to not sell paint anymore. Mm-hmm it wasn't until I finally understood what that meant and found the joy in that and, and really understand that that's how I get to create impact that, that I actually started to fall in love with that idea, but it doesn't resonate with anyone with everyone. I mean, sometimes it's culture and sometimes it's experience. It's, it's a lot of different things. I think the, what's really cool though, is just the amount of Impact and the lives that change. Just the conversation-wise, I mean, Tyler is an example of that. I would, I would think, um, your life is a lot different two years ago, and you're not even technically a KW agent, and yet the conversations that you're exposed to nonstop by working so many <laughs> KW events means that your life is different. Even like you're thinking now, I mean, we're Tyler and I are having conversations around how to scale a photography and, and video business, you were just like trying to buy like chips and some like soda two years ago or something, right? Like it's a totally different environment as a result of having different conversations. And it's and I, I mean it's cliche, but I, that, but people grow into the conversations that we have around right, them. Right, right. And so you asked me, Chris, the first time we sat down, you said, "How do you change the mindset of Keller Williams? What it's always been here? How do you change the results and what it has been?" And I said, "We change the conversations. We just change the things that people talk about, and then we change the way that people think, and then we change the way they act, and then we change the results." Unfortunately, though, the results are so much slower. Than the conversations, because I can control the conversations. The results are a byproduct of the conversations, the thinking, the actions. And so that's right. It all just compounds over time. So I came in here and my, my one thing was changing the conversations because I knew that that would change the thinking and change the actions and the results. And that the people who are attracted to the conversations and the thinking would find their way here. And here you are both of you
1: (laughs) the law of attraction it really is it really really is knocking
2: on eric's door yeah yeah
1: Yeah, right (laughs) that is that's true that's a true statement i love that
2: you knocked on mine
1: (laughs) that's true that is so true hi (laughs) dad
2: i'm totally kidding i don't even remember
1: oh i was going to back up and say one thing you know lauren you mentioned earlier about um if you want to sell real estate that's great if you want to get into business and live a bigger life
2: if you blah, want to blah, build blah, a something. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as an outside spectator being with a, a different brokerage previously. So, you know, I often say I'm an, I was an outside spectator looking in. There are so many things as an outside spectator you don't yeah. see within the doors of Keller Williams and within the um, the conferences of Keller Williams and the business calls, the podcasts, the coaching calls, um, you know, just the, the different conversations that we are, are all about. And so... Just coming to Keller Williams, just being at Keller Williams and selling real estate and building that business is all grand. And if that's what you want to do, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um that's what I'm doing, that's what you're doing. Yeah, of course. Uh, but there are so many other opportunities yeah. within the state of Indiana with Keller Williams and across the country that, you know, just, you know, I've seen, a, I think all of us have seen agents that they've decided to take their business, you know, they wanted to get into coaching. They wanted to become a market center mm-hmm. administrator. They wanted to become an OP. They wanted to invest in a building, yeah. invest in another franchise. So there's just been, you know, for somebody that, you know, you can, success is different for everybody, Absolutely. I always say. And so, you know, whatever your, whatever success looks like to you there's just limitless opportunities i think with this company to yeah. go just beyond the four walls of avon indiana that's right yeah.
2: and, and it's really it's really freaking cool when you actually realize how many opportunities that you have to earn um but all that i ask is let kw be the vehicle to get you there because it'll get you there a heck of a lot faster and it honestly, just for me personally, like I am such a different person than I was. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, and it's not that I was a bad person, but like just Thank You don't even know me.
0: You don't know me. <laughs>
2: you don't know me. Yeah, really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so ghetto. No. But um, I don't even remember what I was saying.
0: I'm sorry. Anyways, that's, KW changed your life. That's what you're going to say. It, yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah, I think too for sure. that it's important to know that. Um, that whatever you think that path of success is as well, that that changes depending on the chapter that you're in in your in your life's book too. <laughs> because the reality is is that, you know, you were you were in a role when you started with the company that you're not in anymore and you've evolved through three, four, five different roles, myself included. My initial mm-hmm. role of joining the company was just to sell more real estate and to understand how to hire an assistant. I didn't know how to hire and train and pay someone. And that was what I wanted to accomplish. You know, And now at this point, we're talking about how do we take all the things that we've spent time and money and effort and sleepless nights on and package them in a sellable, scalable system of video distribution so that everyone can have access to them? Or uh, how do we then take this exact same blueprint for this Keller Williams office and multiply it towards others? Um, either locally or regionally in order to create that same impact. Those things were never on my radar four years ago. I never would have asked for those things or even thought I wanted to be a part of that. You don't know until you have that evolution of of yourself. Right. Yeah. That's pretty
1: awesome. That's pretty good.
2: Sweet. Well, we don't want to bore everyone too much, but.
1: um, (laughs) Hey, there is one final question that I have here, and this is probably the most important question. Oh, gosh. Eric, if you could have a superpower, (laughs) what would your superpower be? Wait, I think I I I know what this is. If I had a
0: superpower yeah. or could have.
2: Can I say my answer? Oh, yeah, go. I think you'd want to be a mind reader.
0: A mind reader? Um, I don't know. I'm really struggling. I should have known. Like you, <laughs> I should have known that you were going to ask this question. Um, of all the times you've asked I know, that, have you never thought about it? No, I haven't.
2: I would probably
0: say like time travel would be my guess, but not like I'm trying to go backwards or forwards necessarily, but... Like I would want to shorten the amount of time that it would take me to like drive home Oh yeah. because then I could be way more effective and efficient with everything else that I do time-wise. If I could cut down on all those little margins of time, that would 100% be what I would want to do is either find more time, invent more time, or utilize it better by traveling through it somehow.
2: Can we just like have big... Red flashing light saying "nerd alert." Nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's what went on in my head as we you were even, that.
0: <laughs> we haven't even scratched the surface of the, any of the nerd alert portion oh, yeah, we of did. this. That's truthfully. a whole other yeah. podcast oh, by itself. Is, yeah. yeah, what Lauren calls he's serious. he's nerding out. He's nerding out. <sighs> oh that's my gosh, that is true. Day. We should like. Yeah, you could just share all the things that you get exposed to, having to like be subjected to nerd wise.
2: Like even like parenting, it blows my mind. I'm like, how did you get that from this? Well, I went on YouTube and of then course. I purchased some books and then <laughs> I had conversations. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah, I
1: built a plan. I made a list and yeah, yeah. And, and that's awesome. God, yeah, like, We're gonna I love execute. it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So your so your superpower would be time travel or time mm-hmm. manipulation, mm-hmm. making like so you would have such a far drive home.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I was listening this morning to a concept of of like having workday sprints, for instance, is how could you get three days into one single day? Like that would be, that was what I was trying to conceptualize today and haven't fully um, understood was what if my day was in like six hour blocks or eight hour blocks instead so that I could get three work days into a single day because the reality is right now my day is like in a four hour day and then everything else is uh hang on, who knows mm-hmm. what the roller coaster brings. And like the four first four, day is like four forty
1: AM yeah. to eight thirty AM.
2: That's or that's my work when
0: you
1: day. get home. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And you had a driver before there was a season in your business, isn't that right? I did. Yes. So as you talk about, you yeah. know scaling, and, and yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I, I did. You know, I would have never thought about that. What a way to be able to really maximize your time. You've got somebody to drive. Another yeah. really cool thing that you mentioned, which is so basic, but I it was kind of brilliant to me, is. You called an Uber to send <laughs> a car seat from what, like downtown to oh Greenwood? Gosh, is that right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, there was this kind of crisis. You were needing a car seat. You couldn't put my your son in. Needed a car yeah, seat. Like, yeah, And so, how do you get the car seat there the quickest while still maximizing your time? Like, <laughs> you call a damn Uber is what you do. That's so right. And the guy I think was, that's a brilliant.
2: My dad said he was so confused when he pulled up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we I looked think at it and he said, "Why do we deliver earnest money? This is silly." Like, if I. Ha- if someone brings me a check why on earth would i then take it to wherever the end destination is when i've got an app that will show me where it is
1: and route yeah. So yeah. if you can deliver
0: people, you can deliver packages. Right.
1: Is how I look at yeah. it.
2: And car seats too. Yeah, and car
1: yeah. seats. Yeah. I often tell my children, I'm going to send an Uber to pick them up at a friend's house or after a game oh, or something. I would totally, and they yeah. they get irritated with. I'm not yeah. really going to do that. Okay, but I wouldn't. It's kind of fun. So, <laughs> well, hey, Eric, thank you, thank you, thank you for your valuable time. It, it, really, this this was fun oh, to good. get to know a little bit about you, and I'm excited to be able to share this podcast with um, other folks, even here in our own office. You're still kind of so new here in our office or to even folks that here way. that are right that people say are, they don't know me are still yeah still kind of questioning like <laughs> who is this you know what's it you know. all about so i think this is a cool way to get to know you um internally and externally here in the community so thank you for that lauren you've been a fabulous co-host i'm the co-host you're the host
2: no i'm you, the co-host the, but i really want
1: this cookie yeah yeah you can <laughs> eat it yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, cannot thank you enough. Uh, yeah. For your, for your leadership, your time, what you're teaching, what you're, what, the vision you're casting. And uh, yeah, I just, I know I'm just excited to be a part of it. So thank Thanks, you. Chris. And obviously, you know, you're a huge uh, part of this oh, company. Oh,
2: for sure. For I sure.
1: love you. No, <laughs> seriously. Steering the yeah. ship over here. That's you right. Are, that is so true. <laughs> that better is true. Than us. I, that's right. <laughs> all right. All right. That's a wrap.